Well, good morning, good morning. Normally what I would say is it's so good to see you. I don't normally I would say that, but I'm not, I'm not saying it because it's not normal. But it's good to have you here. And uh, if you notice that my eyes may be straight to the right a little bit, it's because the, the bullseye, the bullseye is sitting back there. Just so you know, uh, we got Mr. Carl and Mr. Judson back here today. And uh, that's going to put a little fire in me. I think that's the reason to preach right there. So, <laughs> but it, it's not, I, I'm not, I need to focus on you too. And uh, just so you get a complete picture, the intelligentsia is down here. And, uh, you know, Martin Luther had his, his uh, diet of worms and, and I should be on a diet too, but instead I have a council down here, it seems like. Uh, I've got uh, Miss Bernshine and and uh, the Himes here, so we've got a good cross-section today. And I think Miss Bernstein's here to just keep everybody in line. I think that's the case. Well, you, of course, have your Bibles. And so uh, let's go ahead and take our Bibles and turn to the book of Proverbs and chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. I've been going through uh, the book of Proverbs with a discipleship that I'm involved in right now. And it's been a real blessing. <clears throat> I think you could... Go through the book of Proverbs and start over again and just keep doing that and always be finding and mining new, new material and new, uh, new truth there. And the Lord really did point out some things in chapter 2 of Proverbs that, um, you know, as, as I prayed about this day and what he would have me to preach on, it just became apparent that there was some truths in chapter 2. It's a bit daunting to preach from Proverbs. There's just so much here and and you want to, of course, do it right. And uh, you've, got, you've got thoughts here coming from Solomon. Can you imagine? Of course, they're inspired, so they're really Holy Spirit. But the wisdom that's here is unfathomable. And so uh, we're going to take a look at Proverbs chapter 2 here today. Why don't we have a word of prayer here before we begin? Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the opportunity that we have, even as such, even with students that are, uh, that are far and some. Someday we're going to look back at this and we're going to say, hey, remember the day, and maybe it'll go in the history books, and we'll have to study it in history class. But uh, hopefully, Lord, we really can see your hand in it all, because you are a sovereign God, and there's nothing that gets past you, and there is nothing that doesn't at least have your approval, and I believe greater than that, that you have things even now, even, even in this chapel time, that you want to do even, even due to these circumstances. While there's young people really around the country that are listening and uh, they're in different settings, but they are listening and they have your Bible there in front of them, I pray, Lord, that you do a, just a marvelous thing in their heart. If we could even imagine it, a, a work that maybe even wouldn't be done if they were sitting here. That's, what, that's how great a God you are. And so we pray for that work to be done this morning, even in my own heart. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, in Proverbs chapter 2, we're going to do this a little bit backwards here, but I, I do want you to notice that in verse 1 and in verse 3 and in verse 4, these verses essentially begin early on with the word if. You can see that in verse 1, my son, if. In verse 3, it's a progression, yay, if. And then again in verse 4, if. And then in verse 5, then. Okay, so we understand that this is conditional. Whatever those ifs are in the first four verses of Proverbs chapter 2, 
Uh, they are conditional. And then we're told, boy, if you get those, here's what will happen. And there's actually two thens, one in five and one in nine. Then this will happen. And uh, it's tremendous. All the way down to the end of the chapter, we're told what will happen if you do these. And we'll get to that. We're going to work it backwards here. I want to look at the sort a little bit of the application. Here's what we have to look forward to. And then you can decide, hey, I'd like to have that. I don't know. That sounds good to me. So let's look at, let's look at verse 5. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord. Would you like that? Like how many of us would say, no, I'd rather not. I, I don't think so. And find the knowledge of God. You still in? Verse 6, for the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Do you want that? If that's something where you say, wow, I, I'm, I'm getting interested. I, 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 think, I think this is for me. Okay, well, that's good. We're going to spark a little interest in the ifs before we get there. And maybe it's possible that we'll get to the ifs and you'll say, oh, that's too much. I don't think I could do that. I, that's too great a price to pay. I'd rather not. I don't know. Let's look at the next then. Verse 9, what else is in this for us? Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good work, every good path. When wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. I don't know about you, but it still sounds pretty good. Maybe we're getting to a point where this would be good, actually, this would be good. If the ifs, if it didn't matter, like whatever they are, I'm in. Whatever it takes. I need some of that. Are you there yet? Okay, well, we're not done because the chapter isn't over. It gets, the application gets very specific. And I wondered about this. I, I can't wait to get to those four, first four verses, but, but look at the power that is literally promised. You know, the, the if and the then. Uh, if ye confess your sins, he is faithful and just. If you do this, then that. And that's a promise. If and then. If you seek me, you shall find me. When you shall search for me with all your heart. If, then. Yeah, this is the way God is at times. He says, you know, if you throw in here, I'll, I'll meet you. I'll meet you more than halfway. Boy, he's meeting us more than halfway. Let's look at verse. Look, look again at 11. Discretion shall preserve thee. Understanding shall keep thee to... Deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward things. Wow. Very specific application. Whoever this evil man is, uh, his way, we're delivered from his way, from the man that speaketh forward things. 13, who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the frowardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and they are froward in their paths. You know anybody like that? 
Do you know anybody that, uh, you know, can you think of anything? Wow, that could be a problem in my life. I would need to be delivered from the way of the evil man. Now, you may not say, wow, there's, I don't, you know, in my, I don't know, in my fellowship, in my, in my church, I, I can't think of anybody like that. You know, open it up a little bit. Broaden it out a little bit. How about our culture? Is that evil? Are there evil things out there just drawing, tugging on your heart? Every day, maybe, you know, the way to, the way to talk, the way to, to, to dress, the, the way to act, the things to say, the things to look at. There's a huge draw all around us. We're finding out even more now in this, in this uh, trial that we're going through, just how evil and how wicked the culture is. It's like the, 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 the coverings are coming off. You know what? And we encounter this, and you'll think with me, especially you men, for a moment, that here in the college, you hear me when, when you first come in, in the fall, here just a, in a few months now, we'll be here again. And, uh, but I'm not going to be looking at this little black round thing here. I'm going to be looking right at you, so you get ready for this. And we're going to be in the auditorium, and I'm going to look at you, and I'm going to tell you again how I can look out at times and just see the influences of the world. Here it comes. The way that the hair, the, the, the clothing, all of that, we don't want to just work on those things. We recognize that the heart, your heart is, is kind of toward the way of the culture. And really, should it be that way? Look, look, here's the point. In Proverbs here, remember the if and the then. The then side of the ifs here is that we can be delivered from that. Wouldn't you want that? Not to have the pull of, I don't know, maybe it's sports, maybe it's movies, maybe it's music, whatever it is. Wouldn't you want to be delivered? Wouldn't it be necessary for us to be delivered? I mean, if we're going to go out and be effective ministers for Christ, if we're going to go to a mission field, if we're going to go plant a church, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be fairly important that we are delivered? Because that's what God promised here. And I think it's broader than just, oh, I know a guy like this. He lives down on the corner. I stay away from him. Oh, no, I'm telling you, the influence of the evil men, the way of the evil men around us is all over the place. If you have, if you have, I know you do, because some of you are on it, okay? So you can't hide it now. If you've got this, then you've got the way of the evil man. Yeah, you carry it with you. And you know what I'm talking about. You get on that thing and... And you don't have to be on it real long. And you can see the way of the evil man. You want to be delivered? So that you don't have to have that guilty conscience? Oh, man, I, I fell again. No, this says, to deliver thee. Whatever those ifs are, they're pretty important. And they're pretty powerful. Now, notice verse 16 here. We're coming to the conclusion here of our application, which we're beginning with. I don't know how, how this works homiletically. We'll worry about that later. Verse 16, to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth, and forgetteth the covenant of her God. For her house inclineth unto death, and her paths unto the dead. None that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life. That, that's amazing. 
Not only deliverance from the evil man now, but the influence of the wrong morality that's out there. And that's all around us. We already referenced technology, and much of this is going to be part of that, but not solely. There are those that, uh, say, on the feminine side, who have departed from the God that created them. The Lord that died from them. And I, I, I don't know what their spiritual condition is, I mean, as far as what their need is, but here they've departed from that. And they're using things that God has given them to draw and attract and draw others out and get off the mark. And, and listen, men and women that are listening to me, there is a deliverance here. If you're not delivered, then you are, in essence, going to become part of the problem. That's really, that's really it. Can we say this? Can we say that the reason that the American Christian, the church, has not been effective in our culture is because we've become part of the culture too many times. We haven't been delivered. How many times has that happened throughout the Bible? Was Samson part of his the culture, the Philistine culture? How effective was he? There is a deliverance. And that deliverance in the first four verses, I believe, are described as a treasure. So I've entitled this, Hiding the Treasure. Hiding the Treasure. Are you, are you hiding the treasure, which is right on the other side of these ifs? It's not a given, there are ifs. There's four verses there, there's three ifs. Let's take a look at them. I've got four points here just because that's what I have. So if you're taking notes, there you go. You can write that down. Number one, my son, if. So if you want all that deliverance, you want all that power, you want that wisdom and understanding that will just cause you to be upright and righteous and pleasing to the Lord, well, here it is. It's not complicated. My son, if thou wilt receive my words. There's actually four parts to the first if. The very first one is receive. If thou wilt receive. There's the verb, my words. Now the direct hermeneutic here, we'll use that term since some of you are now very familiar with that term. They better be familiar with that term. Uh, is, is that this is a father speaking to his son. And honestly, you read the first seven chapters of Proverbs and you can just hear the pleading. You can almost see the tears in the eyes of this father. You really can. And he's just saying, please, son, you've got to. You've got to listen. I mean, no, you don't have to, but, but yeah, you have to. Come on, please. And he's pleading with his son. It begins right out at the very thing, chapter one. And it goes all the way through the first seven chapters. I mean, honestly, the message goes beyond. It goes to the end of the book. But in those first seven chapters, it's my son, my son, my son. Give me thy heart, my son. Come on, my son. You know what? And you ladies are not, this is, this is for you too. But it really is the pleadings of a father. Would you listen to my words? So let me just ask you straight up. Do you listen to your father? It's the first if. It's not complicated. Now we're going to broaden the application out just a bit. Because I think it's 
I think it's, uh, it's helpful. And I think it's, it's allowed here. I think it's fine. Because the message of Solomon isn't now just to his son. And we're here reading just a, a personal thought here. That was nice. No, it's God toward you. And it's, it's all of those that God has put in your life that are really honestly partnering with your, your dad, your mom, to, to bring about something in you that is real victory, deliverance in your life. I mean, this thing is huge, and it begins right here. Are you listening? How apt are you to listen to your father, to receive his words, to receive them? Notice the word there that's used. Receive it means you have it. You didn't just hear it. It doesn't roll off your back. You've got it. You received it. And you have it. You can now run with it. Notice the second one in the same verse there. It says, and hide my commandments with thee. Hide. You know, it was that word right there, that one word hide, that is what caught my attention, the Holy Spirit used, to say, you've got to use this passage and you need to give this to the young people there uh, on, that, on that Wednesday for chapel. It was that word hide. Because that word hide doesn't just mean, you know, lock it away, put it up, put it in a safe place. Uh, you know, remember the combination, have the key, but let's, uh, let's put that one away. I've got it. So your, son, your dad says, hey, you know, you, have you got that thing I told? Oh, I, yeah, I got it, dad. I got it. It's over there. No, no, this word means more than hide or to put into secret or safe place. It has the idea of hoarding, of hoarding. And when I saw that, I thought, hoarding? Well, that gives this a little different taste, a little different flavor. Because we know about things we hoard, you know, things that we hoard. Uh, so you're a collector, you're, you hoard. And which means, you know what that means. That means if you saw another one, I'd have to have that. I got to get some of that. But you already have some. I know, but I need some more. Some more what? I'm not talking baseball cards here. I don't think that's in here. I don't think hermeneutically that would, that would work out here. I could check it later with the doctor, but I don't, I don't think that works. Uh, whatever you like to collect... Whatever's important to you, whatever you have a lot of that you'd like to have more. I think, I think we could probably, every one of us, if you were here, be, just be glad that you're not here right now because I'd probably be asking you, okay, what is it? I already hit Dr. Paul's. He probably would like to have some baseball cards. So I, I probably got that. Him and his dad. I probably knocked them out both there with one shot. But you, you've got something that you said, boy, you know, if I had another one of those, I, that would be okay. I'd, I'd be good with that. And then, if I, and then if I saw another one, I'd, I'd probably have to have that one too. See? See, that's hoarding. You know, we, I guess we've heard a little bit about hoarding here with the, the pandemic that's out there. But I, I don't want to get into that right now. Let's just let's keep it down here to uh, everyday life for us. There's, there's some hoarding going on. And there's probably, if we came to your, your house, your room, you know, we'd, we'd see it. We'd know it. Okay, there it is. And um, I don't want to guess more than that. You've got things that if you said, maybe you said at times, I've got enough. Okay, I've got enough. And then you see another one and you say, oh, I've got to have that one too. You know, that can be bad. We understand that. 
That can be a bad thing. But it's not a bad thing here. This isn't bad. Do you understand? This is a father saying, son, you should be hoarding. What is that word right there? Well, look what it says. Receive my words and hoard my commandments. That's the father. That's the father saying, uh, I've got some instruction for you. I got some things I really don't want you to depart from, son, daughter. Could you do this? Could you keep this? Would you walk this way? Would you not go there? Would you not look at these things? Would you look at those things? Would you stop reading that and read this instead and listen to this and not that? Would you, would, this is, these are commandments. Now you say, oh, I've got plenty of that. I, I'm a collector of dad's commandments. I've got plenty. But how many of you, you would say, dad, is that another one? Is that another one? Because I'm hoarding those things. I, I'd like to have that. I'd like to have that. I'd like to add that to my collection. How many of you would go to dad and even ask for one? Because that's really what we're talking about. Whether it's baseball cards or whatever it is, you've got things in your life, and not necessarily bad things, but you'd say, you know, I've got to have some more of those. But here, the if is standing over the top of your dad's commandments. Wow. I didn't always get that when I was your age. I didn't get that. But there it is. You want all that power. You want that wisdom and understanding. You want to know the ways of God in your life. You really want to know God. You want the deliverance that you need from the culture. You want the deliverance from the temptations in the moral arena out there. The draw, the tug that's always on your heart. There's the first if right there. Are you really hoarding your dad's commandments? And, and look, your dad and your mom have, uh, have sought the Lord, and they're in a church. Maybe your dad's the pastor, maybe he isn't. But, and then you've got a pastor, and you say, okay, well, uh, that's, that's then my pastor. I want to hoard what he gives me. And your parents interviewed with you to bring you to BCM. We're working with them to develop you. Are you hoarding what is here? that your professors are giving you, that your music teachers are giving you? Are you hoarding those things? I need some of that. Or is it just, uh, do we need to know this for the test? Is this, is this going to be on the test? Really? What, do we really need to know this? What, why do I need this? Okay, well that if is standing over this. Are you hoarding? I need, I need some more. I don't have enough commandments. I need more. I'm going to need these. Where, look, some collectors, they collect things, they put them away. You'll never see them again. They say, well, that's for, that's for later. That's for my retirement. They're gaining, they're gaining, I don't know, they're gaining some, they're gaining dust. But anyway, they're gaining, they're gaining value. Let's say that. Okay, I'm collecting these things and that's gaining value. But you know, they're going to die, many of them, and never realize the value of, of what these things have gained. They won't. But some do. Some really do. They, they invest and they put away and, and uh, later on they re recognize that I'm going to benefit from my investment in those items that I've collected. And that really is the idea here. I want to prove that to you. And uh, so I want to go real quick. If you would take your Bibles and turn back to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. We'll come back. I promise, unless we run out of time. But 
No, we'll come back. Exodus chapter 2, and I want you to see something that is tremendous. Because that Hebrew word there that is hide, that is hoard, is found here in Exodus chapter 2. Look at verse 1. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she, she hoarded him. She hid him. Three months. And when she could not longer, there it is again, hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink and his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. So literally mother really uh, hit him again. <laughs> and the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. I wonder who that is. And her maidens uh, walked along by the riverside and when she saw the ark among the flags she sent her maid to fetch it and when she had opened it she saw the child and behold the babe wept and she had compassion on him and said this is one of the Hebrews children she knew. And if you've been in history class, you know how she knew and you, knew, you know why she knew and why this is important to her and you know what her name is. Verse 7, then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? Why would she be willing to do that? Because she's hoarding this child. Verse 8, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And the maid went and called the child's mother and Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it, and the child grew. You know what happens to something that you hoard? Like a commandment of your father or others that are partnering with your father to, give, to develop you? It grows, and it'll help you to grow. And that's the purpose of it. It's not just that you memorize the handbook or you know, whatever there in the house your dad would have you do and not do. It's say, I'm going to need this. Now, what? What? You're going to need it so you know what day to take the trash out in? No, I need this for my life. Whatever I'm being given right now, I'm going to do it by faith. You know that's what Hebrews 11 says about Amram and Jochebed? Whatever they did right now in hoarding this child, that is, protecting him, keeping him for later, so that he could be used later. Do you know what happens if Moses isn't, isn't brought out and used later, this treasure? You know, the children of Israel would still be in Egypt. But that's pretty important. He's a treasure to be hoarded, protected. You know what the others were doing? Throwing their kids into the, into the Nile River, like Pharaoh told them to. And Stephen said it in the book of Acts. That's what the, that's what the parents were doing. Oh, they were so grieved, we can't hang on to this child, we'll get into trouble. And they were killing their kids. Not Aram and Jochebed. Hebrews 11 says, by faith... They hoarded. The same word there that's found concerning the commandments in, in Proverbs chapter 2. They hoarded this child. Why? For them? No. For later. By the way, it says here, wow, when they saw that he was a goodly child. Acts chapter 7, Hebrews chapter 11 essentially say, it says the same thing. What does that mean? Like mom came up and said, what? you got to see this child. He's worth hiding. Look at him. No, 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 no. Everybody has a face only a mother can love. Everybody. You know, look, you know, what mother looks at a child and says, oh, wow, oh, that's terrible. I, that's, that's definitely not a keeper. I can't, I don't know what we're going to do, but 
adoptions sounded pretty good right now. No, no, no mother does that. That's not what this means. That she looked and said, wow, what a beautiful child. We need to, we need to somehow preserve this child. No, you, you really study it out, and what it means is they understood that God means to use this child. There's something special about this child. They looked at the child. I don't know how they knew, but they knew. How, did, how do we know that it was spiritual? Because they did it by faith, Hebrews 11 says. They didn't do it by sight. They didn't look at the child and say, wow, look at the sight of this child. we got to do something here. No, they, they did it by faith. God wants to do something here. We have this child for this day, and it looks... It's a bad situation, so it seems. No, it's a good situation. God's going to use this boy. They probably didn't even know the extent of it, but they understood God's going to use this child. Is God going to use that commandment, that instruction in your life? Do you believe that? Because if you don't, then you're just going to put it away. Yeah, put it away, whatever. Put, put it away. Let me give you an example. I was about 14 years old. Most of you know I worked on a farm uh, for my grandfather. My grandfather had three farms and a house in the city, which was about 100,000 people in the city. The three farms were on the north side of the city. Well, one day, I'm 14 years old, my, dad's, uh, my grandfather says, uh, he says, Terry, I want you to take this uh, small farm tractor, and I want you to drive it from the farm, and I want you to drive it into the city uh, to the house there that I own. And uh, yeah, I knew, I knew how to get there, and I was so excited. At 14, I, man, that was it. That was the cat's meow. Uh, the problem was is that half of that trip would be on a four-lane state highway, divided highway. And that, that wasn't, uh, I didn't care. But my grandfather's thinking this through, and he says, you know, let me, sh let me just explain to you a, a, a different way of getting there that will cut down a lot of that state highway and it'll just kind of empty you out from back farm roads right there under the city limits, and then you can go through, through town. Okay. And he begins to tell me, okay, you do this, you take a left and a right, you're going to go down here and you're going to see the old, the old Smith farm, and you're going to take a right there, like I knew where that was. Anyway, so he's t telling me all about this. And I, then he probably looked at me and said, you got, I'm 14. You know, like 14, you know, it's, it's like you don't even wake up till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And so anyway, he says, uh, now you got it. You got it right. I'm sure I said, oh, yeah. What? Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I'm in. So I jump on the tractor. He gets in his pickup. He runs off that way, and I drive off this way. Well, you probably know what happened. About 45 minutes later, an hour of driving around looking for the next turn, you know, my grandfather finally, who had been into town to the house to come back again, where am I, finally drives around on these old farm back roads, finds me. Do you know what the problem was? I didn't get it. I wasn't listening. I was already thinking ahead. I got other stuff. I got a plan. I got, this is going to be fun. But I wasn't listening. You know, my grandfather looked at me, I'll never forget. And he said, you know, when somebody's giving you instructions, directions, you need to listen. He knew. He wasn't a, he wasn't a dummy. He knew. He certainly knew when I didn't show up, he didn't know. And when he came back and I was scratching my head saying, I don't, I don't know, he told me. And he said this, he said, and if you don't know, you need to ask questions. Like I, I was 14, I never thought of that. Well, I don't know the Smith Farm. I mean, what? You know, I never forgot that. 
If he was ever giving me instructions after that and he got to a part I didn't understand, I said, whoop, stop right there. I don't understand that. Where is that? What's that do? What's that for? Do you care enough? Or is it, is it too much to raise your hand in class or stop your dad or mom and say, what, what was that all about? I need to know that. I'm going to need that. You know, I needed what my grandfather gave me that day. And because I didn't get it, <laughs> I didn't get it. And I didn't get to where I was supposed to be because I wasn't paying attention. Let's go back here to uh, Proverbs chapter 2. And let's continue on as time marches on. Verse 2 is, is just part of that same if. So we've already covered if thou wilt receive. And my first point is, are you hoarding? If thou wilt receive my words and hide or hoard my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Apply literally means to prick up the ears. What I didn't do with my grandfather. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got it, Grandpa. I, I got it. No, it's good. I, I'll, I'll be there. No problem. All I'm doing is thinking about the fun. I'm not really listening to the instruction. Are you hoarding? Now look at verse 3. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding. Are you verbalizing? Obviously, this, this now verse 3, the if that's here has to do with our voice. Like my grandfather said, hey, if there's something you don't understand, lift up your voice. Ask. Say something. Verbalize something here. Speak. I need that. I, I didn't get that. I didn't understand that. Dad, I need that. What is it? Explain it again to me. Dad, you remember a month ago you told me this. You know, I don't know that I fully got it. I, I, I need that. I'm going to need that. Verse 3. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, Dad... Help me with this. And liftest up thy voice for understanding. Are you verbalizing this? Do you know that uh, the, the university in the world that claims to be the oldest, and I think there's several that claim to be the oldest, but the University of Bologna in northern Italy uh, is said to have been founded in, in the year 1088. Frankly, the first one to offer a charter to the college was Frederick Barbarossa before he died. Okay. You getting this? Okay. Yeah. Judson's back there shaking his head yes, which is a really good idea at this point because that was on his test this morning. <laughs> Frederick Barbarossa. Okay. Anyway, uh, so this college, it didn't have buildings at the first, but the unique thing about the University of Bologna is that it was founded not by faculty, not by administration. It was founded by students. Students. That's unique. So students came up with the handbook <laughs> for the faculty. Students decided when faculty could go on vacation or have a leave of whatever. You had to get permission from the students. Now that's unique. But you can guess why, can't you? They wanted to learn. You're, you need to be here. 
we're going to be here. We expect you to be here. And, and we want to learn, and we want to learn this. So we want you to teach us this. They hired the faculty. You know what? It's pretty successful. Today, the University of Bologna has 86,000 students. It is one of the top colleges and universities in the world. It's not a bad idea for those that are seeking to learn. Frankly, I'm a student. To cry out and say, I need more. I need more. I need to add some more to my collection here. If. You know, that means if you sit there and you don't say a word and you don't understand and you never raise your hand and what do we need this for anyway? Well, you know what happens to the thens? Then, bye-bye. You want all that understanding and wisdom? You want that power? You want that deliverance? You better start reaching out with your voice. You better start verbalizing. It's right there in the Bible. You better cry out for it. Don't let it pass by. Hey, whoa, 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 where are you going with that? I need some of that. Let's go. What do you mean class is over? I, 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 I'm not done learning. I need some more. Yeah. I'll have students come in and we say, wow, how are you doing in this class and that class? Well, I already know. Wow, it's not good. Well, have you talked to your professor about it? No. Why? This isn't about academics or grades. This is about mastering what God has for you. Do you have it? You know what? You might need it someday. You know, years ago, I was asked to start leading singing. Do you know how I knew what a quarter note and a half note and a dot behind them went? You know how I knew that stuff? Third grade music class. I'm not kidding. Third grade music class. That's where I learned it. Praise the Lord for a teacher. And, and, and at least God got a hold of a rambunctious young guy to sit there and listen in music class. A little farm boy. Can you imagine it? Yeah. Do you know that every, uh, often now, I come across words that I remember from fifth and sixth voca grade vocabulary. Like misnomer. I hit that word the other day. Misnomer. How do I know that word? Oh, fifth grade. What are you getting? And what are you missing? If you're missing something, verbalize it. Notice now verse 4. If thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures. That, that wisdom, that instruction, that knowledge that's being granted to you from your parents, from your pastor, from those that are partnering with your parents to bring uh, godliness and development into your life. Are you getting this? Are you seeking and searching? Verse 4. Are you on the quest to get more? Are you questing? It is a word. I looked it up. It's a word. Are you questing for more? Is that your journey? Is that, the, is that what I'm on? I've got to... I've got to have more. You don't roll your eyes when your dad says, how about this? Can we get that done? I've told you that before. Oh, boy. Your professor says, okay, now we're going to write a paper on this. Oh, great. That's not a quest. Are you on a quest? Because that's what verse 4 says. Are you on a quest? And finally, number four, are you preparing so are you hoarding? Are you verbalizing? Are you questing? Are you preparing? Preparing for what? 
preparing to do it again. Do what again? Just turn over to chapter 4 real quick, and you just got to see this, and then we're going to close up. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1. The same father here. Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. For I, I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law. For or because I, I was my father's son. I, I was my father's son. And, and tender, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me. Let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Do you, are you preparing for this to go on to the next generation? There is more than just you in this. You've got children already in the mind of God. He's already prepared to give them to you. And some of you, it's sooner than you think. And I'm not kidding about this. It's a very serious matter. And according to that, the thing that qualifies you to be the father that pleads for them is that you were the son that was on a quest. You were a son that was hoarding what your father was giving you. Let me ask you this. What does your father, what is he good at? What can he do and you're not good at it? Like my dad can do this and he can do that and he can do that over there and I just, that's just not me. Well, why isn't it you? Oh, it's just not my thing. Really? I'm going to look through here and see if I can see that somewhere. There must be a verse about how this, this is not my thing. If your dad is good at something, why aren't you good at it? Ladies, what is it? What is it that your, your mom is good at? Oh, you say, oh, wow, my mom can cook. She can sew. She can, she's good with kids. I mean, my mom can counsel. My mom can do these things. That's not my thing. You missed it. That's not allowed in the first four verses of chapter 2. I want to know if your mom and dad, both you, young man, young ladies, if your mom and dad are good at things, why aren't you? You think it's an accident that, that, that they're your parents? Or are you going to walk by faith and say, God gave me the parents I need, and the things that they're going to grant me is what I need for the future? Joe Hughes was 27 years old, actually 23 years old, three years ago, in England. And he put something on eBay. He put a T-54 on eBay. Now, do you know what a T-54 is? Does anybody know what a T-54 is? I'm going to ask in class in a few minutes here, I'm going to ask how many know what a T-54 is. Some think they know. All right. He put a tank. It's a Russian tank. I actually heard it. The Himes down here got it. That's the intelligentsia they, they know. He put a tank on eBay, a real one. Like, who's going to buy a tank? He put a price on it. It was like $40,000 US in the equivalent money. He put the tank on eBay, and sure enough, a man named Nick Mead here, three years ago, looks on eBay and says, yeah, I've got a few tanks. I've got a collection. I'd like to have another one. See, he's hoarding. And so he says, well, I'd like to have a tank. And he goes on eBay, and he finds this tank. It's a 36-ton tank. It's 72,000 pounds i got to have that for my collection. So he, he calls him up, and they worked out a deal there, and it's, it ended up being about $41,000. I think they actually swapped some military equipment. And uh, so this older man here, Nick Mead, ends up with Joe Hughes' Russian tank. Okay. What's the history of the tank? Turns out the history of the tank, the tank belonged to Saddam Hussein. 
The tank actually went into Kuwait, the Persian Gulf War. Okay, but now it's in England, and now it's, uh, it's Nick Mead that owns the tank. For 41 grand, he owns the tank. And he starts restoring the tank, and he's working on the tank. It's really a piece of junk, but he's working on it. It's looking good. It's looking bad. And he's getting it running and whatever, and finally he discovers a problem with the tank, and something that's wrong with it, something, a reason it won't run, and it, he tracks it down to one of the gas tanks. It's a diesel. He, he takes the diesel fuel tank off, and it's unusually heavy. And he, 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 he notices there that it's got a little patchwork uh, welding job on the tank. He, oh, brother, what? They're hiding something in here. And he, he, uh, he opens up that tank, cuts it open, and, and uh, reaches inside, and he's expecting to find guns or something smuggled inside here. And uh, whatever it is, it's got to be inside of a tank. And, and so he reaches in there, and he pulls out a gold bar. Pure, solid gold. He reaches in and grabs another one, and another one, and another one. There's five of them in there. 60 pounds of solid gold in a $41,000 piece of junk. $2.5 million worth of gold in the diesel fuel tank of a 1940s Russian tank. How much is that tank worth now? Isn't he glad he hoarded that? Someday you'll be glad that you hoarded the commandments, the instruction that you've been given if you have hoarded it. There is far more value there than is on the surface, just like in that tank. Let's bow our heads. Lord, I trust that from this passage you have clearly shown the, the application to each individual that has heard this today. Would you now, Lord, cause us by your Holy Spirit first to be convicted about areas that we have fallen short and, and really in the area of instruction, maybe just an attitude toward instruction or commandments that are coming to us from authorities. And we just haven't accepted those things. And we haven't seen the value in them. And we haven't hoarded them so that we can bring them out and use them and have them later. We haven't been developed. Therefore, we don't have deliverance. And we don't understand your ways. And Lord, today, would there be really decisions of faith? That's all that's required. Nobody's got to go out and do a bunch of works. It's just, Lord, we got to trust you, and we got to say, Lord, that's what I want for me. I want to be able to trust you that I have the right parents, that I'm, that I have, I'm in the right church, I've got the right pastor, that, that I'm in the right college and in the right classes. Everything is right, God, and it's, I just got to get it. And Lord, I pray if decisions like that need to be made, that they would be made today. In Jesus' name, amen.